Man, what a, what a start this morning. That was an awesome start. Worship was amazing. I love when the worship's like that and you just want to stay in that moment. You know, you want that moment to last forever. That moment when the presence is thick and you can just really just be one with Him. It's so amazing. So nice. So God's great questions. If we can bring up my first slide. So up the top. This is our plan A. This is what we think. Now on the bottom, we've got God's plan. Now, if you're a new Christian or you're first to church, I would like to tell you that's a spa bath, that's a foam pit. That's, that's you know, that, that's all fun stuff and bubbles. But really, as a Christian, you actually learn to love that bottom journey. Because that journey is where we get all our faith, where we get our character, where we build up as a person and we really change who we are. So we really get to, to love that journey. And at the bottom of these is usually where we get to hear that question that God asks us. That, that question that provokes some internal investigating. And the question has a great power to transform us rather than a, tra- than a, than rather than a straightforward answer especially when it comes from God, helps us to explore us internally. So as I share with you today, I want to explore one of these great questions. What are you doing here? 1 Kings 19.9. So I'm excited to share. It's a challenging question because it's a question that we quite often will get to a point in our lives that we end up having to think. It's not a question where, you know, you've got your standard context, but it's a question that will make us really think about what we're actually doing here. And as we go on this drive and we're on this highway of life, at times we are seriously at risk of running out of fuel sometimes. In other words, we sometimes live in such a way that we become vulnerable, exhausted, and what we call these times is burnout. And it's quite a common thing. And that's at different levels and different scales, and it's a perception thing to us, but burnout is common. Thankfully, we have a warning lights that come on when we're emotionally and spiritually undone. But recognizing these is the most important thing. Recognizing these symptoms, knowing when these warning lights are going off, just like your car has warning lights going on, you know something's wrong, we also have these warning lights. Those warning lights could be sleepiness, they could be, um, they could be anger, they could be self-pity, they could be depression, they could be anxiety, they could be many things, resentment, any form of sort of behavior that's just not normal for you. These are warning lights. If they are, then you may want to reflect on Elijah's experience of exhaustion and burnout and the question that came to him in the middle of his crisis. So we'll bring up our first one, our scripture of First Kings. 19.9. So bear with me. We can actually read through this because it's important we go through this bit of Scripture and get the, get the, the fat of the actual story. So I've got this up. So now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. We keep going. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me 
be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba and Judah, he left a servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into the cave and spent the night. And the word the Lord gave to him, what are you doing here? He replied, I have been very jealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. With a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. So here we read about a time in, in his life when everything came to a standstill. He's run away. He's deep in the desert. He's found a lonely cave, and it's all starting to sink in. And it's in this cave is where God's asked him, what are you doing here? This crisis, along with Elijah's life, along with this question that God has put to him, opened up a number of opportunities. Now, it doesn't sound like a time for opportunities. It sounds like a time for panic. But it's actually time to reverse it and flip it. It's a time for opportunity. Because if you're like me, I've actually experienced this type of burnout. And I know I'm not alone because we're all living this life now that we do experience burnout, exhaustion, tiredness. We all get to that place at some point. Different levels and scales, like I said, but we do get there. Elijah's experience could lead you toward new opportunities for yourself as well. Now, to put this into perspective, I put a little bit more of a quick summary before we start diving more into it. So Elijah had um, had accomplished a lot by now. First, he'd backed down he backed down King Ahab by declaring a drought that lasted three years. This is going back, so you go back and read this. Next, he survived and sustained by the ravens in the wilderness and by the poor widow of um, Zeropath. Next, he raised the widow's son from death, and then he challenged the priests of Baal at Mount Carmel, and he beat them. And finally, he lifted the drought and watched it rain again. So Elijah's accomplished a lot. He's gone from... To the ultimate heights where, where he's just, he's nailing it. He's nailing life. He's on cloud nine. He's going really, really well. And then all of a sudden, it's been turned upside down. And everything's coming down on him. And this one lady has just ripped his world apart by pretty much threatening to kill him. He's become hunted. He's afraid. He's fleeing for his life. He goes to Bathsheba. And as Elijah withdraws into the wilderness, we see his internal struggle, his fears, his doubts. But this story is not only about a prophet. It's also about God, who wants to meet Elijah, 
and respond to him in the midst of the situation, providing for his needs and ultimately redirecting him. See, what we can see as a terrible situation can be seen as an opportunity. So we're going to find three opportunities in this situation, and we're going to talk about them. Where am I? When I find that, we'll talk about the opportunity. And you know, I can hear Ian talking to me right now because he's like, always sort that out. Always sort that out. I just got it wrong. So afterwards, yes, Ian, I take it on board. I've got it. So <laughs> he's trying with me. All right, first opportunity. Let's focus. Focus. All right, we're in the moment. First opportunity. Op- uh, opportunity to stop. To stop. Elijah goes in in the strength of that of that 40, 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb where he stops at the cave and spends the night. It is here in his cave that the God that God first asks him this question. What are you doing here? Living through a season of life which he's always on the go and he's, he's nailing it and finally, you know, and it's all turning to it's just all turning bad for him. Elijah's found an opportunity to stop, which has enabled him to level up. It's level up his spiritual and emotional cup. And my kids would say he's, made, he's had the ability to level up his XP points. I don't know if you guys know what that is. You guys know what that is? No. Um, good. You need kids that play games. All right. So he's <laughs> One of the few good things, if I could say a few good things about experiencing burnout and exhaustion is that every time, um, everything that comes from this is that we get to stop. And I'm speaking from experience. It forces you to stop. You, you think about those moments when it's all just crumbling in and everything's, everything just feels too much. It's overwhelmed. You feel like running. Everything's going, but, but it actually gives you the time to stop and actually forces you to stop. We can see this happening in Elijah's life in this time of crisis. When he took refuge in the cave, he experienced the benefit of stopping. He became quiet. He could listen to what God had said and what God was trying to say to him. And it could be the same for you. Maybe on a different level or a different scale, but life is a journey, and there will be times when you need to stop. There will be times when you feel challenged. There will be times when you're overwhelmed. There will be times when you're in one of those pits. So Eliza has stopped. Eliza's depleted energy levels started to be replenished. Most importantly, he was able to take a hard look at the question God has just asked him. What are you doing here? He was able to open up to God about these events and experiences that have brought to his life this point. See, there's many good reasons to stop. Stopping gives us the the ability to be able to renew our energy, to replenish our emotional and spiritual cup and resources. To do this, when you're continually trying to live at full speed. When you're trying to live at full speed, you will not be able to take this all in. We're often and find ourselves in autopilot, going from one thing to another without much thought, filling up what space we do have of our lives with more stuff. I am so bad at that, actually. 
I'm really bad. If I've got fine time, I will find something else to do with that time. If I let one hobby go or finish something else, I will fill it up with something else. I will continuously fill my life with things. Stopping enables us to recognize more clearly those destructive patterns of living that push our lives beyond their God-given limits. And then to make clear choices, to live in them, to live a more healthy way, a more loving and giving way. So that's an opportunity to stop, number one. Opportunity to listen. 1 Kings 19, 11 to 14, if we could bring that up. We'll read three days ago. So the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then the great and powerful winds tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Of course, God knows what Elijah's doing there. He's hiding, he's running, he's escaping from Jezebel, more conflict, and he's, the, the mountain struggles of life are overwhelming him. And I know when it gets really hard, that's all we feel like doing. That's the first thing we feel like doing when everything's piling in. And it could be everything, it could be at family, it could be at work, it could be career, business. You just feel like running. That's the first thing we want to do is run. God commands Elijah to go and stand before God on the mountain and await God's presence. Elijah then witnesses a powerful storm, an earthquake and a fire, which we've just read. Through these powerful events, he or we would expect to speak. You would expect in a dramatic way God's voice to come out on that fire or come out on that earthquake or come into there. But that's not where he, hear God, he hears God. To Elijah's surprise, God's voice and presence are made known after the storm passes in a gentle whisper. To be more specific, God does not leave Elijah alone. In response to God's whisper, Elijah emerges from the cave and again hears God ask again for the second time, what are you doing here, Elijah? Because you see, God sometimes speaks so quietly that we have to move close to hear God's voice, to hear his whisper. Once we have learned to stop, we can start listening. Usually a time of burnout and exhaustion or a low times forces us to find the time and space and move closer to God. This is a good thing because as Eliza's experience teaches us, God usually prefers to speak quietly in a gentle whisper. I know my kids like me to speak to them gently in a whisper. They seem to not respond to me when I'm screaming at them and yelling. But I don't scream and yell because I'm Christian. So I, um, I never yell at my kids or get angry. Not at all. <laughs> um, 
But once, yeah, once we have learned to stop, we can begin. Usually, a time of burnout and exhaustion forces us to find the time and space to move closer to God. This is a good thing because Eli's experience teaches us God usually prefers to speak quietly in a gentle whisper. Nothing gets our attention more than a whisper does. I know when I hear God's voice best is when it's pressed onto my heart real softly. God's still small voice means that we need to move much closer and to become much more still if we want to hear what God is whispering to us. There is no better opportunity for us to slow down and listen to God's voice than we are tired and worn out. Sounds weird, but it's probably the best time. It's when His voice is going to be much clearer as when you're tired and worn out and you've stopped and you're in that quiet place and you've just let it go. And have you ever tried listening to your God in the middle of chaos when everything's going on in the mount, you know, when everything's around you? Have you tried listening to him then? Life is really good at distracting you and creating this noise. Work, careers, Facebook, Instagram, people, everything going on. The chaos is really good at making sure you won't hear God's voice. You and I both know that there's consequences to listening to the wrong things. Because quite often it's these things, these experiences, this low time is when our flesh can condemn us. Especially through our thoughts. This will have us running from God. That condemnation, those thoughts, those feeling of overwhelming, that pressure, that usually has us running from God. When really at that time we should be running towards God. That's when we should be running towards God. There's no condemnation from God. Move towards God and hope will move towards you in joy. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What an awesome, awesome verse. It's when we're in the silence, it's when, we, when we're in that moment, it's when we really hear from God. It's not in the ruckus, it's not in the noise, it's not in the madness, in the fire, in the earthquake. It's not then, it's when we're in the silence. You're not going to find joy in that ruckus. You're going to find joy in the presence of your Lord, Savior, your Lord. Just running toward, that's where you're going to find the joy, in that moment, in that presence. Like this morning. When that worship was going on, that, there was deep joy in my heart. And I could feel the joy in the room. That's when you hear. And that's when you feel the Lord's joy. So, opportunity number three. God's perspective. 1 Kings 19, 15, 18. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came, and go to the desert to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also, anoint um, Jehu, son of uh, Nishmi, king over Israel, and anoint Elijah, son of Saphat from Abel. Mehola to succeed you as a prophet. Man, those words are getting me. Every time. I practice this so many times. Still get it wrong. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of uh, Hazel, and Elijah will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. 
Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Elijah has gone through the wilderness escaping what he believes is his troubles. He has time, he's had a time of rest and when he has received care and, and he's received care and nurture. Now it's, it's time to come, now his time has come into the, in the cave to return to life to the work that God has laid out for him. God's response to Elijah reminds him of his work not completed. God still has much more for Elijah in life. One of the beautiful things about the story is, is God's compassion, his follow-through. After providing Elijah for, you know, in the wilderness, God seems to follow up Elijah in the mountain, in the cave, God knows Elijah's spirit is broken, his faith is weakened, his despair is deep. God not only asks Elijah, what are you doing here? God reaches into the cave to find Elijah and offer him a new beginning and a new direction. Go return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Elijah also thought that he was the last faithful man left standing, but the words of Elijah heard from God told him a much different story. Eliza rejoiced in being told, that he only, uh, being told that he wasn't the only faithful person left and there were thousands like him. Thousands that had not turned away from God. Eliza discovered that God was with him all along, but God did not comfort Eliza just to see for him to go back into his cave again. God comforted Eliza so he could get back up and start his purpose again. God was saying to Eliza something like, what are you still doing here? You know, what are you still doing here? You've got heaps to do. And if we look at ourselves, we've got heaps to do. We've got families to disciple, friends to disciple, ministry to do. Brothers to walk with, kingdom businesses to run, careers to do. There's lots to do. There's lots more purpose and there's lots more like you out there feeling the same, same thing. You have to see things from a new perspective. Your work has not been completed. I still have faith in you. I still want to use you, just like Elijah. God calls us out for a, for, uh, pulls us out from our places of despair, out into the world where we find purpose and meaning. See, in moments of exhaustion and burnout, we have a choice to make. We can choose to evaluate our lives by our standard, run-of-the-mill, worldly standards and ways, or we can choose it to see it through God's ways. Maybe you and I should look through the same lens that God does. God does. Does God call us to be successful or to be faithful? God wants us to be successful. That's fine. But are we being faithful for it? Is God more interested in quantity or quality? Does God take a short-term or long-term view? Is God more concerned with things or with people?
when we view these questions in regards to God's conversation with Elijah, the answer is obvious. In each of them, the second option is always God's perspective. It's the best perspective. You may be able, you may be able to identify with Elijah as he sat in the cave. I know I can. So will you hear the question, what are you doing here? It's a challenge. It's a challenge to start seeing things from God's point of view. Can we start bring, do we want to bring the band up? Answering God's questions. What are you doing here? So if you can relate or go through or are going through Elijah's experience, I invite you to tell God how you have come to where you're at right now. Where you're at this moment, the events, the experiences, the people you may have come across, the things that have knocked you down, the exhaustion you're going through, the disappointments, the failures that may have robbed your energy. There may be enablers in your life that are making things difficult to stop and be still. You're not alone in this. Tell God about these things and then be quiet and try to hear what God is wanting to say to you. The question also challenges us, as it did Elijah, to get God's perspective on what is happening in our lives. Remember, it's all from God's point of view. Certain things are more important than others. Faithfulness matters more than success. Quality more than quantity. The long term instead of the short term. People more than things. As you look at your life through God's eyes, share with God those instances where you have allowed outside pressures because they're there all the time. Don't let worldly perspectives shape your life. What would it mean for you to change perspective of your life or change perspective in these areas? Can we bring up my last scripture? It's in the message. It's a beautiful, this, is, this is beautiful, the message. Are you tired, worn out, burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That is so good. And I only just recently found the message of this version. That was just, it was beautiful. It's like a poem. Let's read it out again. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly.